0: I am a man constantly in need. This past week, I was reminded of that again. Fighting the flu for most of the week, I was in need of the right medicine to cure my cough and my aches and pains. Racing the clock of time, I was in need of more time to meet my growing list of responsibilities as a dad, a husband, a friend, and a boss. Facing the real pain of losing our family dog, Lewis. I was in need of the solace and comfort to fill the hole of sadness in my heart. I was a man in need, indeed. Confronted with the consequences of sickness, stress, and even death, I was also reminded that I could not address any of these needs alone. I could not secure a cure, more time, or solace for myself. What I needed most, I could not provide for myself. Even more stark was that what I thought I most needed for comfort, for security, and for joy was not even my most fundamental need, no matter how desperate I felt that I really was. Fundamentally, these needs were only byproducts of the deeper need that I had as a result of my sin. Sin is what has brought struggle, brokenness, sickness, and even death into my life. To meet my needs of today, I need an answer to the eternal need caused by my sin. Now friends, I would argue that I am not the only man in the world in need this week. You, like me, our families, our friends, those present here tonight, those absent, those who celebrate Christmas, and even those who do not, we are all in need Perhaps during the Christmas season, your sense of need seems to be more prevalent. Perhaps is it a time you remember what is most important to you, or what you most long for, or what you most think you need. Or perhaps for others, these holiday times bring back memories of hardship, pain, and loss. Whatever your case, one thing we can be certain of is that we are all in need no matter where life has taken us whether we are happy and successful, disheartened, or just pragmatically and bravely muddling through life. Now, I'm sure some of you are starting to think, wow, this guy's really depressing, (laughs) right? Um, And and that I sure know how to take the joy out of Christmas. And that would be very sadly true if my point ended here, with just a blanket outline of our eternal need and with no hope or answers. But that, my friend would not just be Christmas without joy, but that would be Christmas without Christ. And without Christ, there is no Christmas, and frankly, there is no joy. There would be no reason for us to be gathered here together tonight to celebrate. No eternal reason for giving and receiving gifts, singing carols, or even taking time off from work or school. Sure, we could have some quality family time and decorate some trees and and some community fun where we can eat good food, but that would not meet our eternal needs or bring any lasting joy or hope. But no, thankfully, my point does not end here. As Christians, we celebrate Christ at Christmas because it is because of him and him alone that we can have hope, joy, and an answer to our most fundamental eternal need. My challenge to you tonight is to see that Christ is the only answer to our eternal need, and the only path to true hope, grace, joy, and glorious restoration and reconciliation. And that, my friends, is truly worth celebrating at Christmas, and quite frankly, every other day of the year. Now, we're not just talking about a long-wished-for Christmas present that will meet all of our earthly needs wrapped up under a pretty tree. But rather, we are talking about the most precious eternal gift that could be given, One, that by God the Father's design was not laid under a decorated tree, but instead was nailed to a very ugly and brutal tree in answer and in fulfillment of the need caused by our sin. Whether you know it or not, this is the heart of the very thing that Christians celebrate on Christmas, God's provision of the only complete answer to our most fundamental need an answer for the consequences of our sin That answer is what we've been singing and reading about this evening. So turn with me back in your Bibles to the passage that our sister Gina just read, to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, which again, for reference, can be found on page 886 in the Bibles provided. This answer to our most universal and fundamental need is what, in our passage, the author John calls the Word. Read with me again verses 14 through 17. Came through Jesus Christ. Now, John tells us in verse 1 of this passage that the Word was actually God. As was read earlier, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We can further tell from the end of verse 14 which part of the Godhead actually became flesh, where it says, glory as of the only Son from the Father. So the Son of God, Jesus, became flesh took on the form of a man, and dwelt among us. Note that he was God first, and then became man, and not the other way around. It's not as if God the Father just perfected a man into being God. No, God's Son was made flesh. He was made what Bible commentaries call the weakest part of being a human. Paul, writing in 2 Corinthians 13.4, says that he was crucified in weakness. Jesus was crucified as a human. John's use of the word flesh should actually slightly shock the experienced Christian reader here a little bit, because God and flesh do not usually go together. Other places in Scripture speak of flesh as being part of being mortal and dying, like a passing wind, as the psalmist says in Psalm 78:39. Peter tells us that Christ was put to death in the flesh. 1 Peter 3.18 Genesis 6.3 speaks of flesh as being man tainted with sin. Romans 8.3 says that Christ was without sin and yet appeared in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemned sin in the flesh. The eternal flesh became the very thing that he was the farthest from being in his very essence. This is what makes the Redeemer's love all the more wonderful That he who made everything made himself the meanest of all things without being corrupted so that he could redeem and save us from our sins. He left his rightful place at the right hand of God the Father to lower himself in accordance with his Father's will. He also experienced the human conditions of temptation, struggle, brokenness, and sickness. He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. He wept at the death of Lazarus. He was hungry while traveling. He got tired and needed sleep in the boat and again in the garden. We are also told in verse 14, though, that he also retained his glory, full of grace and truth. And this was glory that only God possesses or could possess. Note also how John's use of the word dwelt mirrors here the Old Testament imagery of how God the Father tabernacled. Among his people. His divine presence was among us. So while Jesus was fully man, he also was still fully God. So the Word, Jesus Christ, retained all of his glory even when he became flesh and dwelt among his creation. And he did so without ever sinning. For he was without sin so that he could fulfill his Father's purpose by being the perfect sacrifice. John combines the two concepts of being made flesh and dwelling among us, demonstrating this perfect mystery of how God was fully man while still being fully God. The Apostle John also tells us that this birth was no ordinary birth, but one for a unique and special purpose. Now, the Word was more than just a cute baby in a manger, there are lots of those. But there was and will only ever be one Word. Made flesh. The word's purpose was to deliver grace and truth. Look at verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But why is this special purpose? Why is this a special purpose? And why was this unique for Jesus? Let's look again at our passage. From the earlier verses in chapter 1, we see there in verses 4 through 9 that the world was full of darkness was full of sin and in need of light, which in turn would bring life that would overcome the darkness in the world. In fact, the prediction of this light's coming is exactly what John the Baptist was bearing witness to in verses 7 and 15. Now note that this is not the apostle John, the author of of John, but the John that the author is writing about in verse 6 where he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. It was the whole purpose of his job to help prepare the world as a witness that all might believe through him. John the Baptist was the flesh that prepared the way for the he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. This he was the word become flesh, the son of God, Jesus Christ, the light who brought life in him to the world that we see back in verse 4. That was the special purpose of the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, to bring grace and truth so that all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The holy God, the creator of the universe and of you and me, sent his one and only son to be born of a virgin, to walk this earth as fully God and fully man, while remaining sinless, to die on a cross and defeat death once and for all, who repent and believe The word became flesh, to die, to save his people from their sins. This is the gift Christians rejoice of on Christmas. My friends, does this gift belong to you? Now some of you may be sitting there thinking, "Wait a minute, I completely disagree with this guy's entire premise. I'm in charge of my own destiny. I'm not really in need of anything. That I could not secure through my own hard work or that of my friends and family. Sure, things can be hard, but that's just life. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking that, uh, while you've certainly not been perfect, you haven't done anything bad enough to need such a gift or even to be in, in such a need. Well, my friend, if that is your answer, you have only two possible conclusions and both are pretty stark. Either you are right or I am right. If you are right, and you are not in need of a Savior, then you really have no reason to celebrate Christmas, the coming of Jesus Christ, the Word, because you have no need for Him. And now you are responsible to meet all of your needs by yourself, whether that is more time, better health, comfort, or even dealing with death and all of its ramifications. And I'm sorry to say that in this fallen world, that path always leads to failure. Christmas will just be another hallmark holiday for you. It is hard to really celebrate something that you don't participate in. One cannot truly celebrate being saved to something without understanding what one has been saved from. And it is really hard to celebrate with so many unfilled needs, always, uh, needs always burdening you down. The second possible conclusion for you is that I am right, or more precisely, God's word is right. You are, like me, a sinner in need of a savior. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 6, 3.23, and that none is righteous, no, not one, Romans 3.11. We are all sinners, and as sinners, we must suffer the consequences of our sinful actions. There are no exceptions. The Bible is also clear as to what those consequences are. The wages of, or the payment for, sin is death. We are all headed to death and eternal separation from the grace, but not the punishment of God. And nothing we can do ourselves can prevent that consequence. We are in need of an intervention. God has provided for our need of a Savior by providing His Word, which became flesh and dwelt among us. That same scripture verse from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 23, that coldly tells us that the wages of sin is death does not end there. It has a but. And a but that brings eternal glory, grace, and joy for those that respond in faith and repentance. This scriptural truth reads in full, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, the answer to the need that you and I have can be only found in this gift of God, in this word that became flesh, died an awful death on the cross, paying the wages of my sins and covering me with his own perfect grace and truth as he rose victoriously over the grave and returned to his place at the right hand of God the Father. This gift saves me from eternal condemnation and makes me a child of God for eternity That is worth my enthusiastic celebration, especially at Christmas. Friends, this gift is available to all those who will turn away from their sins and trust in Christ through faith and repentance for salvation. I plead with you to hear this gospel call and truly understand the depth and the vastness of this joy, this grace upon grace that we celebrate at Christmas. You for sure have a stark choice. If you want to talk more about this, please find me at the door or talk with someone that you came with. Uh, There's nothing more important that you can consider this evening, and I'd be very happy to explore this, this matter more fully with you. This gospel answer, my friends, is the very heart of the story of Christmas. It is what the angels praising in the highest sang about. It is who the wise men traveled days to honor and bring tribute to. It is what creation itself celebrated. This gospel lived out and this incarnate word is what God promised Adam in Genesis 3. It is the child and forever kingdom that Isaiah prophesied would come in Isaiah 9. It is the ruler that Micah declared would come up out of Bethlehem in Micah 5. It is the baby conceived of by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary in Matthew 1. And it is the very Son of God who became fully fleshed like you and I and dwelt among us that John declares in our passage here in John 1. This is the gift of Christmas. This is the fulfillment of our greatest need. Through faith and repentance, all men and women in need become children of God with the glory of the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth. And so, brothers and sisters, let us truly live as if our greatest need has been met. We should move from living in the world of I need, I need, to joyfully living in the world of I have, I have. This and that is the joy of Christ, and Christ is the joy of Christmas. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are honored to celebrate your sending your one and only Son to earth to live a sinless life. Die on the cross and rise from the grave in victory over death and over the sins of your children. We praise you for the provision of this immense gift of grace and ask that you would fill us more and more with the joy of knowing that you have secured all we need and even more in Christ. May your gospel be proclaimed mightily. May your churches be filled. And may your name be glorified. In Christ's name, amen.